Aren't you so thankful that God didn't hold anything back when he was uh, coming and, and saving us from our sin? And so it's only right that we don't hold anything back for him. You give life, you are love, you bring life. 
love. And Father, we love you too. And let our lives reflect that. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Southfield. My name is Brian. On your way in, you should have received a folder. On the front of that folder, you'll find some information every week. Uh, again, so take some time to read that. But on the inside, you'll find a card that uh, looks like this. Uh, and as it comes up, you, on that card, uh, we ask that you pull it out, fill out your name, uh, and just hold on to it for now. We're going to wait and do that at the end. Uh, instead of having you jump on the card right away, we're going to dive right into today's question. So again, today's question is uh, aimed to get us ready for the service, to get our, our hearts and minds, not marks, uh, ready for the message that's about to come. So today's question is a toughie. You can't use your phones, you can't use your Bibles, and you have to figure out how many of the 12 spies that Moses sent to spy in Canaan, what, what are their names? I'll give you, I'll, I'll just let you know that uh, I didn't get more than three. So, and I, and I kind of work here. So, tough question if you get this awesome job. But again, so we'll get one, or 45 seconds on the clock. Go ahead and try and figure that out now without cheating. If you answered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> you are wrong. Good names, but those aren't the guys. So uh, I'm trying to get something to work here, and it doesn't look like it's going to. But good to see you this morning. Today we are continuing in this series on forgotten virtues. And as we're going along in it, today we're talking about loyalty. And it's incredibly ironic that today is the day that we're talking about loyalty. I could tell you right now, what I was doing exactly 20 years ago, right now. I was standing on a platform with a 10-foot-wide pulpit at a church on Black Road doing my sample sermon. Today was the day that I got to come and, and let people see the best sermon I'd preach ever in my life and give them the opportunity again a week later to decide whether or not it was going to come be their pastor. I wasn't sure if this was the day or not. I knew it was in April. I, I have a file at home. It's called my Roger file. All these things that I've saved through the years from Roger Swank. It's like a principal's file. It's really, really thick. And there was a letter in there that talked about, went out to the congregation on April 7th of 1995 
saying that there was going to be a, a business meeting on April 23rd at 6, uh, or not a business meeting, I'd be coming on April 23rd to speak. 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. there was going to be a potluck with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, bread, and water. It, was, it looked really great. So anyway, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and then they were supposed to bring stuff. But anyway, yeah, I was bringing my friend, family. It says Shelly was three and Brian was five, if you can imagine that. And Nate wasn't yet. <laughs> He was, he was soon to be. So I, I say that it's ironic to talk about loyalty today because I think that if it were not for loyalty, we wouldn't be standing here right now. One of the things that I was looking for in a church when I came, I was like, I want to come to a church where the leaders actually believe in what they say. That they actually believe in what, they're not the kind of leaders that are going to say, this is the direction we want to go, until someone says, I don't like it, and then they go, well, let's go over this way, let's go over that way. They needed to be people who would stand up and be counted when times got tough, because knowing the condition of the church at that time, I knew times were going to get tough. And you needed some leaders who were willing to be loyal to the cause of Christ, loyal to the direction they had set, and that they were really going to see things through. And that loyalty, in part, is why we're here today. But it's beyond that. It's the loyalty of people who have come through the years, whether it was the Black Road era or during the school. And they came on and they became part of what was going on here. And they said, we believe in the mission of this church. We believe in the direction. We believe in Jesus Christ. We want to do this thing together. And they were really excited about that. So um, just what a great privilege to be able to talk about this today. Having said that, having been a pastor now for 20 years, I will say loyalty is one of the greatest challenges that the American church faces today as well. That whole idea between secularism and consumerism, it's really infiltrated the church to the point that we're not as loyal to each other, we're not as loyal to the cause of Christ as we used to be. And we'll, we'll find ourselves saying, well, you know, I don't really like what's going on here. Or, or I noticed that church over there has this program. Or, or we all head to, to the church of what's happening now. And then after a while, it's not happening there. and We drift somewhere else. There are obviously legitimate times to walk away from a church. But too often, it comes down to things that are all about consumerism and a lack of loyalty. Here's what I love about what's happening in the time that I've been here. I've been here 20 years. I saw some of your babies born, and now I'm seeing some of them graduate, and pretty soon we're going to see some of them get married. It is fun to be a part of people's lives long term. And when we get that privilege of doing life together that way, that's amazing. It's an awesome, incredible thing. So we're going to talk about loyalty today. And Bob, unfortunately, this is not going to work. And I'm so bummed because I was going to do something today that we would not have been able to do 20 years ago. Bring a blackboard on the screen and we're going to write on it, but it's not connecting. So instead, I'm just going to have you shout these out. Since you struggled with the names of the spies, give me some synonyms for loyalty. What are some words you would use to describe being loyal? Go ahead. Faithful. True. Trusting, commitment, dependable, any others? Defending, good. I, you get, you're catching a theme here, right? When, we were, when I was thinking about talking about loyalty, what I did is went to a bunch of Bible characters. I just wanted to see a bunch of Bible characters that had expressed and lived out loyalty in their lives. Wanted to see what it looked like. What, what does a loyal person look like? So, for example, I went to the relationship between David and Jonathan. 
Because they really, they had a mutual loyalty, didn't they? They, they? they had each other's backs. A lot of times we think about Jonathan being loyal to David, but David was loyal to Jonathan as well. It was a well-known loyalty. It was there. And there are other characters in the Bible. 20 years ago, I preached a sermon on Elijah on this day. And as they did, we talked about fire coming down from heaven. And by the demonstration of that fire, the people cried out, the Lord, he is God. And that power could be present in our church and people could see that and cry out that the Lord, he is God. Elijah expressed some tremendous loyalty. Here's a man who stood in front of the entire nation alone. The king was against him. The religious leaders were against him. The people were against him. And he stood there alone saying, I believe God is. I believe God is powerful. I believe God can bring down fire from heaven. That is tremendous loyalty. So I looked at a bunch of Bible characters and their loyalty and sometimes their lack of loyalty, like Peter and the other disciples who abandoned Jesus, even though Peter said, I'll be with you to the very end. As I went through that, I looked at a number of character qualities that just kind of came together, definitions of the word loyalty, what it was all about. And the first thing I thought is, saw is that when loyalty, loyalty comes together with longevity. It's hard to call yourself loyal if you've been around for about three or four minutes. In fact, it may be the most loyal three or four minutes of your life, right? And then it all falls apart. Loyalty is something that's proven over time. We can't say we're loyal to something if we just jumped on the bandwagon. We, we have this term around, right? Uh, loyal Cub fans, die-hard Cub fans. These people are loyal in this respect. They have never seen success. And yet every year they say, this is the year. That's loyalty. It's also stupidity, but it's loyalty. It's loyalty that says, I will be there. I will stick it out. A lot of people aren't like that, right? It doesn't work. I'm jumping ship. Loyalty is longevity, sticking with it over the long haul. Loyalty is also well-known. It's declared. If I'm loyal to you, you know it. If you're loyal to me, I know it. We know it. And as you look at Bible characters, they were great at expressing their loyalty, not just to each other, but other people knew it too. Do you know who knew David and Jonathan were loyal to each other? Saul, the enemy of David. I mean, other people around you know I'm committed. I'm committed to this person. I'm committed to this church. I'm committed to this organization. I'm committed to this cause. Loyalty is well known. It is, it's publicized. Further, loyalty by nature is undivided. You can't be a two-faced loyalist. You can't be on both sides of the fence. It's one or the other. You, you've got to make a decision. When you look in the Bible and look at the word loyalty, a couple of times in the book of James and in other places, it mentions that if I'm loyal, I cannot be divided. Another word for that, the one we have on the wall, it's to be wholehearted. It's, it's a sense of all-inness. If I'm loyal, I am all-in. I'm not just dabbling. I'm not trying out different things. I am there. I'm a part of it. Now, there's another part of loyalty that someone mentioned in terms of defending. If you're loyal, you got my back. And if I'm loyal, I've got your back. 
If I knew there was a sniper on a hill about to shoot you, I'd push you out of the way and be shot myself. I'm loyal to you. I've got your back. I'm going to make sure no harm comes to you. It's not possible to be loyal and say, oh, well, too bad that happened to him or her. You get involved. You're there for the other person, protecting, defending, be a part of their life. Now, having said that, it's one thing to declare, I've got your back. It's another thing for bad things to happen, like with Peter. Peter says, I'll be with you to the end. And then the opportunity comes, and he says three times, I don't know the guy. Loyalty will be tested. Your loyalty will be tested, I promise you. There will come an event, there will come a moment that you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to be counted. Will you be counted or will you cower? Will you be counted or are you just going to go, well, I'm not going to be loyal for this moment. You know, back to that Cub thing. I mean, when they're having one of these seasons that they've won all of 25 games, a lot of jerseys go back in the closet, right? They were tested once again instead of being out there and saying, no, I'm with this. I'm in. Now, when the testing comes, there's another piece of this that we've got to understand. That test often results in a cost. Loyalty is costly. In the Bible, you know what we find time and time again? Loyal people died. Loyal people died for the cause and the person they were loyal to. It's costly. It's going to cost you something if you choose to be a loyal person. Now, let me bring you to the last one because I think this is important to just bring it all together in a definition of loyalty. Loyalty is truth-filled. You see, a lot of times when we talk about loyalty, a person will immediately jump in their mind to something like this. Well, you just want a bunch of yes men. You just want people around you that just do what you say and, and, and go along with you. And that's your vision of loyalty. Just the opposite. Loyal people are truth tellers. In fact, the loyal people in your life may be the only people that tell you the truth. You need people in your life who are willing to stand up and say, I know that's what you think. I know that's what you feel. But you're going in a direction that's different than your actual character. So loyalty doesn't just go along like a dead carp going down the DuPage. Loyalty fights back and says, hey, there's some truth to be spoken here. We need to speak truth. And sometimes that truth-telling can seem like the other person to be disloyal when, in fact, just the opposite. It's a beautiful form of loyalty. So this whole list, you see it together. And what I'd like to do is look at an incident in the Bible where um, loyalty was put to the test and loyalty was shown on the part of a number of characters, not just one. It's found in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. The people of Israel have left, the, left the promise, have left Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They get to the edge of the place, and God gives a command to Moses. He says, here's what you want, I want you to do. I want you to get 12 people, 12 men. I want you to have them go in. I want you to have them spy out the land. Check it out for you. So Moses didn't come up with this idea. God said, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to send these people on in. And, he, and so Moses does this, that. He chooses 12. Did any of you get more than two? Interesting, isn't it? On that particular day, 10 guys were the most popular men in all of Israel. And two guys were absolutely the most unpopular. And to this day, you can't... And I've asked this question like three times over the course of having been here. So y'all should be prepared for this one right now. You should be memorizing this list. Because I promise you, I'm here another 15 years. It's coming up again. But anyway, um, the list. Here's what's funny. We name our children Caleb and Joshua. 
We do not name our kids. Shamua, Shaphat, Egal, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, or Guel. Thank God. Because those are weird names. But nonetheless, we don't name our kids that. These weren't people who were loyal. These weren't people of character. Caleb and Joshua. By the way, Joshua is Hoshea there. Hoshua's son, Hoshua son of Nun. These people are the people who demonstrated tremendous loyalty to God. So he gives them instruction. He sends them into the, into the land. He says, I want you to go check it out. And I just, I love, you can see Moses. He's just kind of plotting this thing out. He says, I want you to go in. I want you to find out what the country is like. I want you to see if the people are there that are there are strong or weak, if there are many or few. I want you to let, give me some soil samples. Is it good land? Is it bad land? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Do they have many trees? Bring back some crops. Just give us an idea of what's going on there. And he adds this little thing in parentheses, by the way, the grapes are in season. So they head on in. They go on into the land. They start going on through and and they're just checking out everything they can find. They go to the land of Anak, the descendants of Anak, and that's going to be important in a couple of minutes. Then they come to the valley of Eshkol and they come across across these grapes. I want to grow these grapes, man. These grapes were so huge that they cut off a cluster. They have to put it on a post and two people carry it back. I can't imagine what this grape cluster was like. That's why they named the valley Eshkol because it means cluster. And it was that place that they found that tremendous, beautiful land that they went to. So they explore for 40 days. There's that number. We see that number time and time again in the Bible. They explored the land for 40 days. They return and they give a report to Moses and Aaron and the whole community there in Kadesh. And they give this report. They say, we've entered the land you sent us to and explored it. Indeed, it is a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. And here's the kind of fruit it produces. They start with this fantastic report. And then comes that word. But. Disloyal people love that word. They're always able to find the but in the situation. They're always able to say, I know all of that is great. But. But. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large. And fortified. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. You have the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites are living along the Mediterranean Sea. This place is infested. It's big trouble. And then comes this amazing verse Caleb stands up. Remember, loyalty is going to be well known. Caleb stands before the people. Let's go at once to take this land. We can certainly conquer it. Now, he's not looking around and saying, we're better than them. He's looking up and saying, God's better than all. And I'm loyal to him. And I'm sticking with him. He can make this happen. And I'm not backing down. Well, the other men that explored the land disagreed. Rather disloyal word, right? Disloyal to God. We can't go up against him. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. There's that disloyalty. Just bringing up the argument, festering, spreading out the rumors, making sure other people start to jump off the wagon as well. They go on to say, the land we have traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. The people we saw there are huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And by by the way, that's what they thought too. They're doing everything they can to say, God may say this is your land, but you better not go. It's going to be bad news, bad news if you do. 
You come over to chapter 14, and it starts with the whole congregation weeping, and they weep all night long. And they go into this routine that they do so many times. Why can't we just go back to Egypt? Can't we just go back to the good old days? Oh, my goodness. The good old days? You mean slavery? The good old days? Bricks without straw? The good old days having your back whipped because you're not working hard enough? Oh, yeah, those good old days. By the way, we burned the bridge to Egypt. If we go back, Pharaoh's going to kill every last one of us. There is no going back. We have to go in. This is what we've got to do. Moses and Aaron get face down before the people. Caleb and Joshua tear their clothes before the people. And they say, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Here's that loyalty. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel. Rebellion is a disloyal action. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. Not because we're powerful, but because God is all-powerful. Because God has given us this land. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. What a tremendous declaration. I mean, doesn't it remind you of Elijah? Fire is coming. We can do this. There's a loyalty to God that is just absolute. Remember I said that loyalty is costly? The whole community began talking about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Now, you may have had some point somebody disagree with you on something. Has anybody ever said, let's drag them out back and stone them? Kill them? This loyalty was costly. It cost these men something. Then the Lord speaks to Moses. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they be disloyal? Right? That's the word. Contempt is disloyalty. Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I mean, my goodness, most of us think if we'd have seen just one, we'd have been in. They saw sign after sign after sign after sign. And they say what? Back to Egypt. Don't like this. Scared of the land. Not going in there. I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a greater and mightier nation than they are. So now we have Moses' loyalty being tested. And it's being tested in two directions. Obviously, his loyalty to the people is being tested. Because I suspect Moses is thinking to himself, you know what? My kids would make a better nation. My descendants would make a better nation than all these people here. There's a loyalty to the people, but honestly, in this situation, there's a loyalty to God. Moses is called a friend of God. It is important in this moment that Moses is a great friend to God. So what does he do? Listen to the words of the Moses. What will the Egyptians think when they hear about this? They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of the land who have already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face in that pillar of cloud that hovers over them. They know you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in fire by night. Now if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard about your fame will say, the Lord was not able to bring them into the land he swore to give them, so he killed them in the wilderness. Do you hear how Moses is actually being loyal to God? 
He's saying, God, you've got to act in consistency with your character. You've got to act in such a way that the people continue to learn and believe in who you say you are. Here's what he goes on to say. Please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. Prove it. You said you're great. Prove your greatness. And then he said, for you said... The Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. You know what Moses is doing? Moses is quoting the Bible to God. Is that unimaginable? Hey, do you remember when you said I should write this down? Look, look at your own book. Be consistent with your character. Loyal people say, that's not you. You need to be consistent with who you are. You need to be consistent with the mission of Jesus Christ. Loyal people don't just go along when someone's about to make a huge mistake. They stand up and tell the truth. And he did tell the truth. He ends by saying, in keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people just as you have forgiven them since they left the land of Egypt. Well, God says, fine, I'll pardon them. But they're not going in. It's not happening. I'm not. We are going to wait 40 years. One year for every day they wandered the wilderness, wandered in the land. One year for every day the spies were in there until all of them die except two. He says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. Would you just take that line and let it settle into your heart? But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. That's what God is calling us to in 2015 in our country, in our world. As people who follow Christ, we need to have a different attitude than the other people have a loyalty to god that will withstand in ways that we cannot imagine he has remained loyal to me god says it he has remained loyal to me so i'm going to bring him into the land he explored his descendants will possess their full share of that land and just in case you're wondering after they get into the land and Caleb helps all the others fight the enemies of the land. All the way down into Joshua chapter 14. Caleb finally comes to Joshua and says, When this whole venture started, I was 40 years old. Who's 40? Go ahead and raise your hand. Just so that we can... Bob's a 40. We have... See what a 40-year-old looks like? I was 40 years old when this started. He said, Now I'm 85. I'm 85 now, but I'll tell you what. I'm still as strong as I was the day I set foot in here. I can still do battle, and I am ready. I am ready to go take the land. And he says it in such a way that he says, if it pleases the Lord, if it pleases the Lord, I'll go ahead and do it. His loyalty, as I said, is timeless. He just sticks with it. There's longevity to his loyalty. It was not a one-event thing, and then it stopped. Throughout his lifetime, he continues to be loyal to the Lord, his God. All these qualities are present as we look throughout these examples of loyalty. People who had that longevity, their loyalty was known. You didn't back talk. You didn't backbite about God in front of Caleb, Joshua, Moses. You didn't do it. You knew what they'd say. I'm with God. I don't care where you are. Um, they were undivided. They had each other's backs. Yeah, they were tested and almost cost them their life. It cost them time in the wilderness, being loyal to God. And they were all truth-filled. They were willing to tell the truth time and time again. So this issue of loyalty, I think just, um, it's heightened for us these days, you know? Are you really going to stand for God when the opportunity comes? 
We were flipping through the other night, Netflix, trying to figure out what to watch as a family. We watched one show for about four minutes and said, this is stupid. And then we said, hey, we saw God's Not Dead. We haven't seen that yet. So we clicked it on. And we're watching this show. We're watching this movie. And I know it's a movie, and I know it's a script, and I know Willie's in it and everything else. But, you know, I'm watching this thing, and this is happening a lot these days, where people are basically being asked, do you believe in God or not? And when they express that they believe in God, they're basically treated like they're an idiot for believing in God. And so this verse comes to this kid from a pastor. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Are you going to be loyal even when tested? Are you going to be loyal even when people say things about you that are unkind? Are you going to stand even if, like Elijah, you're the only one standing? Are you going to say, oh, I give in? Everybody else is going along. I might as well, too. I can't help but continue to be moved by this image from Good Friday and by this thing I read the week of Good Friday about these Christians in Egypt. And ISIS came into a room mixed with Christians and Muslims. And the way that they identified the Christians was they all had a cross tattooed on the inside of their wrist. And there it was. They didn't have to ask them, are you a Christian? They just started turning wrists. And as they turned wrists, they pulled them out one by one. And then they took them and killed them. I, I, I can't stop being moved by that story. You know, part of what me, hits me is um, as the ISIS militants were going through the group, I wonder how many of them wished they had er an eraser in that moment. They couldn't erase it, right? It was there. Is your loyalty to God so tattooed on your life that even if you denied, people would say, we know who you really are. We know who you really are. That's the kind of loyalty that God is calling for us from us today for him. That we would not back down in a moment, but we would say, I stand with God even if it costs me my life. And here's the thing. For most of us, it's not going to cost us our life. It's going to cost us something far less that we're afraid to give up even more. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. My servant Southfield has a different attitude than the others have. They remained loyal. We won't have another 20 years. We won't have another 10 minutes if we do not remain loyal to the living God of heaven. This isn't all just about nice church and beautiful music and, you know, let's do our Sunday thing and head on our way. If we do not remain loyal to the God of heaven, we have nothing. God is calling on us to have a different kind of spirit, to remain loyal to him to the very end. Pray with me. Father God of heaven, help us, I pray, to have that kind of loyalty to you. To stand up and be counted. You've been loyal to us. Give us that spirit, we pray. Let this not be a forgotten virtue at Southfield. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
So I'd like you to pull out your card again. Uh, we've got some things for you. But before we get to that, uh, we have some time here uh, before our servers come and receive the morning offering for you to get in your questions. Because, again, we'll have five minutes here where we do the, um, the five-minute rewind. So if you, have your, if you have any questions from today's service, be sure to tweet, text, or toss your questions up to the stage. Um, and it, just so you know, we don't have time to get to every question every week. So if you have a question that you feel like you really want answered, go ahead and check out uh, DennisPath.com. He's actually answering the rest of those questions in the form of blog posts on that website. Uh, so back to the card. We have several things for you this morning. Um, the first, we have an opportunity for you to get baptized. If you would like to do that, we're doing that on August 2nd, so if you would uh, check that box so we can get in contact with you about that. Um, next, we also have uh, an opportunity for you to uh, get involved with, uh, I'm blanking, sorry, no, that's not, <laughs> that's coming, um, yeah, high schoolers, sorry, our high schoolers, if you have uh, a graduating senior, uh, please fill out their name, the high school that they're graduating from, and also uh, the plans that they have for, for after graduation. We're celebrating them on May 10th, so again, we want to make sure that we get everyone involved, uh, and don't forget anybody, and don't screw up anybody's plans, all right? Uh, and lastly, if you're new or visiting with us today, please hold on to your card. Don't put it in the basket. We'd like, we ask that you take it to the door, because uh, we have a gift for you today. Uh, so again, on your way out, just let either Dennis or one of the greeters know, and we can get you your gift. Now, now it's time for big kids. So uh, if you would, I actually have a little assistance in doing this announcement. So check this video out. Hi, I'm Harry. I'm a third year Southfield big kid. Since we built this new stadium, we had a lot of new kids walk through our doors. The squad has grown a lot. Our coaches have been doing an incredible job leading our growing team. Frankly, some of these rookies need some extra practice. Hard for that to happen when you amp things up. For starters, this August, we're offering big kids for full services. This is where you come in. There will be all kinds of opportunities to serve. And we want you to join our team. If you think God is moving you to help in Southfield, big kids, come on down to the break room. Before I head out, there's one more thing that you need to know. So listen up. Most kids decide if they're gonna play for Team God or Team Love before the end of fifth grade. A lot of my friends only have three years left, so we're almost out of time. Don't put it up. Think about whether God can use you. I'm telling you what, if Harry keeps doing that, he's gunning for my job up here, right? Uh, anyway, uh, our servers will come uh, receive the morning offering, and as, as they do, uh, also with our um, 
child check-in. If you, again, if you utilize uh, Southfield Big Kids or Southfield Little Kids, you have, um, you receive two tags every Sunday morning. Uh, one is for your child, so we know, so the leaders know their name, and the other is for you. Now, we appreciate when you use uh, the, the child care, so we have a, a totally undistracted service, and again, we have such well-qualified people back there working hard, and again, they're volunteering their time, so we appreciate when you use that, uh, but when you get that tag, uh, again, it'll, it's coordinated with your child's number, so if during the service you ever have, uh, or if the, your leaders ever need to get in contact with you about something that your kid's doing or maybe they just need you, uh, you'll have that number that on the, car, on the sticker that they give you uh, will come up on the screen for a few seconds. Now, this rarely happens, so you don't have to panic, but we just want you to know that there are, there, we do care about um, big situations like that, so if we need to get in contact with you, uh, there is that availability. So again, use childcare, and we'll get on to our, our five-minute follow-up. Five-minute follow-up is going to be about 45 seconds because we have a whole bunch of other stuff we have to do. But I, um, one of the questions that came in, and it's, it, I think it is um, probably one of the areas that we get hit a lot when it comes to the issue of loyalty and truth-telling in particular is um, when we tell someone the truth, they don't always want to hear the truth. And then they think we're being disloyal to them. You're, you're, not, you're not standing with me. How, how can you not stand with me? You know who I am. You care about me. And, and so what do you do with that? I guess one choice is to just not tell the truth, right? Or the other is to wish somehow that if you did tell the truth, the person would respond properly, respond well. But the fact is, a lot of people don't. Because a lot of people will tell you, I want you to tell me the truth until you tell them the truth. And then they say, well, I really didn't want to hear the truth. Thank you very much. What I really wanted was a fan. And, and I think what you do in that case, you do what is right because it's the right thing to do. And hopefully you have demonstrated enough loyalty throughout time with that person, with that friendship, that they may have a little bit of time that they pull back and they say, I don't know. I don't know if we can keep doing this. But over time, as the Spirit helps them to process this, especially if they're a Christ follower, as the Spirit helps them to process this, they're going to come back around and realize that the, 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 the wounds of a friend are faithful wounds. They're, they're, not, they're not wounds intended to hurt and harm. They're intended to help you to grow. They're intended to give life, not to destroy life. And so, I don't know, it seems like a lot of times the answer is do the right thing even if the result is not going to be received well. You do the right thing. You, you stand and be loyal regardless. Having said that, I think it's important that you have some track record of loyalty. Some people are experts at telling everybody else how to live life. We call them know-it-alls. Who wants to know a know-it-all? Nobody, right? But if I know you're really my friend, John Beaker is really my friend. John's spoken truth to me more than once. And I'm able to stop long enough and go, that hurt, I didn't like it, he's stupid. But, <laughs> but I know he loves me. And I allow that to weigh in. So maybe this is the flip. If a person tells you the truth, you listen to the truth, and you listen to the truth of the relationship, this person does love me. 
And I want to receive that and receive it well. So we're going to take communion. Our, our, our team, our worship team is coming up in order to do this. We're going to take communion because I want us to do something. I want us to do something that um, this last song we did today. There were a couple times this week that I sat at my computer and watched David Crowder and a group of Christian leaders singing this song. And I'm not the kind of person that normally does that. I just sat there and and I and I felt like heaving, sobbing. <laughs> I'm just like, this song is killing me. It's getting to me. And it was getting to me because for a change, instead of singing the song, I listened to the song. I received the song. I received the words. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. He really loves me. And so during our time of communion this morning, we're not going to have the words of this song on the screen. I want you to hear it, and I want you to receive the message. Receive the message of the words as you receive the bread and cup in your hands. Hear the words. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I'm a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Hear the words. Receive the words for yourself today. These words are for you. Here's the thing. God has been loyal to you all of your existence. When are you going to realize it? He's been loyal to you every minute of your life. Receive his loyalty today. Hear the words, take them into your heart, and receive them. And when you're ready to take communion, go ahead.
loves you. He's been loyal to you. He's been faithful to you along the way. I told you I have this Roger file. There was a year that I asked people in their bulletin to just write what they thought of what happened the past church year. And I came across this. I haven't read this in 15 years. He wrote these words. I feel someone like Simeon, who you talked about last Sunday, He was waiting for the birth of Jesus before God would allow him to die. I've been at this church for 35 years. I've been waiting all that time for God to visit this church in a special way. During this year, worship has become more genuine for me, and I'm thrilled to see more of our congregation involved in carrying out Jesus' commission to make disciples. Although I waited a long time, just like Simeon, I'm not ready to die. Like Simeon was. Because I would like to continue to participate in this new and better church life. I read that and I couldn't help but think of Caleb. We're finally here. I want my mountain. I'm ready. Waited for this thing. Uh, We love him because he first loved us. We're loyal to him because he was first loyal to us. Don't let that loyalty go away. And that loyalty is all based on love. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. I hope you'll just take those words with you all all week. We do this thing to you. We we don't like to subliminally seduce, but we do like to earworm. (laughs) We like to give you songs that you just take with you through the week. Take that one with you through this week. Hear it again and again. Let me pray. Now, God in heaven, let us walk away from this room today knowing and remembering your love. Let us be like Caleb, who is willing to be faithful and loyal, 
year after year after year after year, not because he's a good guy and not because he's with good people, but because God is good and worthy of our loyalty. And he loves us. And he's worthy of our loyalty. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before you run to the door, let me get there so that I can be sure to get that book for you if this is your first time you want to hand in that card on the way out. And I do want to remind you, too, that on May 4th, we're going to be having a business meeting. We're going to be talking about some changes that we want to make to our, um, to our statement of faith. So needed to let you know that before we leave. Have a great day. Good to see you. I know you're feeling weighted down It's all on your shoulders I know the dreams in your head Don't look any closer